This week on eTalk, my guest is none other than Deborah Duncan. She's no stranger to the airwaves. Deborah is a five-time Emmy Award-winning TV show host of Great Day Houston. On this show, Deborah discusses the latest news affecting the Houston community with features on some of the most pressing issues. You can catch her Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on Channel 11, KHOU Houston in Houston, Texas. Good friend of mine with me today. She is the host of Great Day Houston. And we've done so many things together. You always come when I call. It's like, you know, the mayor's tree lighting, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. For me, it's made me appreciate what I have a whole lot more because, listen, life is fleeting. It was surreal my first year. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm in fourth grade and I've made it this far and they got news cameras here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, wow, this this is crazy. Who is that? <laughs> he is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And that's what really inspired me to know that, hey, I can really do this. I wanna thank you for helping me with my new dream and supporting me as an artist. We've got lots to talk about. Hello, everybody, and welcome to E-Talk with Anthony Bogus Glover. That would be me, ABG. Great to have you here today. And I have one, a uh, good, 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 good friend of mine with me today. She is the host of Great Day Houston right here in Houston, Texas, Miss Deborah Duncan. Hello, Deborah. Hi, Tony. You know, you're <laughs> one of the first people I met when I first moved to Houston, and we've done oh, so no. many things together. You always come when I call. It's like, you know, the mayor's tree lighting, the Thanksgiving Day parade. Um, <laughs> gosh, you you were at my, saying at my wedding. Yes. So yes. I just want to say... Winter, spring, summer, fall. All you gotta do is call, and I'll be there. Yes, I will. Yes, you got a friend. <laughs> I got a karaoke machine for Christmas. That is funny. Oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> that is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. No, really. Uh, we we've done so much together and done a lot of things worked with some of the same people. I remember one time I was on your show, you said somebody was like, you know, your husband, the one that you're always singing with. <laughs> that, like, well, my son for a minute there, I thought, he, who's that man up on the stage that mommy's singing with? Is that daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Well, looky here, I am so happy that you said yes to do this. I'm just uh, pulling together friends and we're talking about some things, you know, in the business and the uh, I say entertainment conversations, just things that we are doing as a uh, a group, you know, people and how we're dealing with this pandemic and all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's affected you and your show and how you do things. So uh, let's just kind of talk about, you know, some things that I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, when did you realize that this is something that you wanted to do? Oh, God, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, it's funny. Uh, all during school, I was a good student and I made good uh-huh. grades. And so when you're a good student, people kind of put assignments on you already. Right. So I thought, right. well, if I'm going to be a good student. I-, I need to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And so I always thought I wanted to go into medicine. Uh, I love right. medicine. I really do. But 
at the same time, something in the back of my mind kept saying, but I like other things too. I never would have thought about this, Tony. Uh, thank goodness there was a uh, drama teacher, Marion Sweatman wow. at John Marshall mm-hmm. High School in San Antonio. Yeah. And my cousin who worked for CBS News at the time kind of put it together for me. He said to oh, me, wow. I know you love medicine, but I think you should use your personality. And if you mm-hmm. think about it, I graduated in 1980. There weren't mm-hmm. a lot of African-American women or women in the hot seat, if you will, uh, when right. it came to news. So I really didn't know what he was talking about. My cousin was a reporter for CBS News, but she was kind of on that very beginning of them uh, taking women seriously. Mm -hmm. And so she looked at me one day and she said, look, we keep trying to convince you. Let me put it to you this way. Your brain loves medicine, but your brain loves history. It loves art. It loves music. It loves politics. Your brain loves everything. If you take this one path, you're going to get bored very quickly. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, my parents would have had something for me if they'd already (laughs) sent me to medical school. And then I said, I don't think I want to do that. I think, you know, I think I want to do some other things. (laughs) But she was so right. She said, do it for a couple of years. And then if you think you still want to, you know, go into medicine, then do that. And I blinked and a couple of years became over 30 years in the business. 30 years. That That is amazing. I mean, you don't look a day over 30. It looks like it it seems like it just it passed like that. And I think lesson learned there is, you know, oftentimes we're afraid to do what our natural self and our passion is because we're so worried about can I make a living at it? Can I make a living at it? And my thing is, Mm -hmm. if you do something that you naturally love, although you can work hard, you don't feel like you're working. Sometimes it's between a job and a career. And I've Uh had both. I first started in the business. I didn't make enough money to make ends meet. So I would clean apartments to get them ready for rent. And then I would get dressed and go in and anchor the morning news at KV24 in Austin. So, um, you know, your passion is the thing that gets you through. Amazing. Okay. Well, tell me this. Uh, If you had to describe your journey to where you are now, I mean, was it hard when you started? Was it, uh, I think I can do it. Let me push through this, Uh, you know, well, no, it wasn't. It was easy. But you, like you just said, when you started, there weren't many women, especially African-American women. Yeah. Uh, so how did that affect you? Yeah, I uh, I figured out pretty quickly that if people will stereotype you and I know we talk about how negative stereotypes are, uh, but I discovered pretty quickly how you can use them to your favor as well, because I'll be honest with you, when I first uh, started in the business, I know they were filling a slot. I had coworkers who made it very clear to me that I was filling a Mm -hmm. slot, but also the expectation of me was not as much. I didn't feel it was almost like, okay, got that slot taken care of. We're good. Uh, And then when I rose above the occasion, it was like, oh, oh, whoa. Okay. Well, you lucked out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at what stereotypes are oftentimes for black women, what is that stereotype? Especially around the time that I got in the business, there was this woman you may have heard of. um, Her name is uh, Oprah. So it was like the strong black woman. I mean, in a newsroom, who can argue with the strong black woman? Exactly. It it can work for you. And so that was kind of like my cover until I finally could rise to my own occasion and say, okay, I, oh, I'm not here just because. I'm here because I can at least do what you're doing. Right, right. Oh my God, that's cool. Now you said Oprah and some people may not remember. I do because I watch you all the time and we talk. I remember when you interviewed Oprah. How was that? Was that one yeah. of your like biggest wow moments or as she said, your aha moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know, um, 
when you're in the business, as long as I've been in it, um, sometimes your biggest stars are people no one's ever heard of, right? And Oprah would say this too. But I interviewed her several times and what I recognized in her was her growth. I I enjoyed watching that. I even said to her, I said, you know, when I first interviewed you, the, the feeling you were in was like, if someone came to you and said, I don't like that color, you should never wear it. I feel like her response would have been, oh, I'm so sorry. I will never wear this color again. <laughs> and then we got to, if someone said you shouldn't wear that color, she'd be like, well, you didn't buy this for me. Okay. <laughs> and then we saw her get to a point where someone would say, you know, you shouldn't wear that color. And she would say, you know what, but I got it. Cause it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Now let's go through your closet. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Let's, let's right, right. Let's watch this together and feel. And, and, and you're right. It's the you growth. It's the growth um, that you want to see. Yeah, and, and, and that's and, and the, biggest, that. the biggest difference. Yeah, but one um, of the biggest memories I have with her is that. Um, I said to her one day, she had gone through a whole series of interviews and people sat down with her all day. And I, and I said, hey, I have a couple of questions with really big answers to them. So I'm just going to tell you now before the camera starts rolling in the interest of time. She goes, I've been asked every question 100,000 times. And I was like, okay, but maybe she goes, Deborah, she goes, trust me, I got this. So the first question was, when was the very first moment you realized how impactful and powerful this medium we call television is and how powerful you are in it? And she went, I, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so we powered down the camera. She came up with something. Um, she said, I think she said that she realized that how powerful it was when a woman stopped her in the grocery store and said, I watch you every day. And that might uh-huh. sound like a simple answer, but what she, she's really saying yeah. that someone to actually invest their stop down everything exactly. and invest their time. But the second question I asked her was, what's the one thing you want? She said, nothing. I said, Oprah, hold on. What's the one thing you want? She goes, nothing. I said, let me finish my question. What's the one thing you want that's not for sale? Mm. So, mm-hmm. Good question. That was my Thank memory. <laughs> You're like, that was my memory. Yeah. And, and if anyone ever asks you that, just and you can't think of an answer, you just go, yeah. you know, I, I want the world peace. I yeah, world yeah, peace. yeah. You know, and, and that, that reminds me, I had a, a friend, a former student. He, uh, his, as a matter of fact, his father taught me in middle school. And I ended up teaching him in high school. And he said to me one day, he says, Mr. Glover, I just wanted to call you and ask you, how is your heart doing? And I was like, wow. He says, you know, people always ask you, how are you doing and how's it going? He says, but how is your heart? Because he says, your heart is the middle and it's the beat and it makes everything work. And if that's not right, then you're not right. I was like, oh my God. That's your oxygen. That's your everything. (laughs) He's like, how's your heart? I was like, okay, cool. So, well, let's talk about this pandemic. It's been now, we've been what a year, exactly a year now. Yeah. And how did that how did that affect you guys and the studio and and just things? I mean, you you were doing things from home, you were doing things from different places. And what what's what's with that? It was crazy. We had to figure out how to do TV. And I think until that happened, I didn't realize we could do TV in so many different ways. You know, I mean, I was doing TV at one point. We're doing it off of our phones. We had news anchors at home off of our phones. We were actually doing a TV broadcast with an app, you know, and then there was this thing we called called found called StreamYard where we started doing interviews with people. The hardest part for me is that, you know, what made our show different is that we had a live studio audience. Right. And every day I'd walk in and it, it took... Some adjusting. Really, I had to yeah. adjust to walking into the studio and it was just dead silent, right? Uh, and I, I'd be cracking myself up. That's a joke I just made. Okay. <laughs> but so that was hard. Um, but at the same time, we had more eyeballs on us than ever before as well. Yeah. 
And yeah. uh, it's worked really well for the guest on the show. And, and so it's been a blessing to continue the show, but, you know, at some point we have to get back to normal, but you know, when you talk about the pandemic, it's all perspective. And I remember we were all kind of in a tizzy in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And someone said to me, Oh my gosh, this is the worst ever. And oh. I started thinking, is it really the worst ever? Right, right, right. Um, I remember interviewing Ellie Wazell, who wrote the book Night, which was my mm-hmm. first glimpse of what the Holocaust was through the eyes of okay. a child who survived it and watched his family tear to, torn apart by it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, no, I, I'm pretty sure that was probably worse. Uh, you know, you go back to slavery. I'm pretty sure those were yeah, worse times, exactly. Right? exactly. There are, There's some, some things worse. Yeah, yeah. And I have a friend who's, who lives in Britain, and um, he's much older. And he said, "Deborah, Deborah, Deborah, let's." I believe you say in Texas, it's not your first rodeo. He said <laughs> he remembered as a young boy during World War II. Uh-huh. Said, Once a week, he would chase the food truck as they hurled out canned meat mm. as their once a week rations. And he goes, I would run there and grab the can and try to dodge the bombs ahead. He oh goes, trust God. me, having to stay home and get through this pandemic doesn't compare. Right. So, and, and that's not to say, Tony, and I'm, I don't want to be insensitive. That is not to say for one minute that some people didn't go through some stuff. Exactly. No, exactly. they did. And we know that this was a horrible disease and it claimed yeah. lives and scarred lives. But, but if, if you can keep that positive attitude and say, okay, I can't control all of this. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let this be the worst in my life. Exactly. And lose of what's good in my life. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You know, because you have to look at it. That, you know, and then the other thing is that there's always someone who's worse off than we are. Yeah. You know, and you have to look at it and think about those things. And then it puts a whole new thing in perspective. You just have to sit back and go, okay, well, let me think about it. You know, maybe going to the store to get a loaf of bread, you know, it is a big deal where some people can't do that or, you know, or or having water, you know, or having something like, I mean, it's just, you have to look at it in a whole different way and then sit back and go, okay. Just thank God. <laughs> yeah, but what do I still have, right? Exactly. What I still have exactly. is my life. It's like I spent some time in Venezuela years ago before the complete lockdown. And it was interesting, again, that perspective, you know, to them, their problem wasn't that, you know, oh, somebody dinged my car at the grocery store with their grocery cart, right? right. <laughs> Not even a right. thought. It's, it's Yeah, that's, what is okay. that? That's nothing. <laughs> that can <laughs> be the fixed. What are you okay, talking about? <laughs> the world was okay. But, you know, yeah. you're one of the most positive people that I have ever known. Every time I've run into you, I'm sure you have your off moments. I'm sure if I talk to your friends and your mama and stuff, they would always tell you that. But, but every time I would see you, you had this great smile and, and, oh. and this whole positive attitude. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that you, you just never know who, you know, my mom used to always tell me, you never know who's watching you. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know who's in the audience when you're on stage. So just always do your best at all times and it'll come back to you. And then I just, I live by that, you know? So uh, that, well, cool. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So hold on. on. Tito, let me throw this at you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You have props. You're giving you your props. You have everything. Your prop master is really good today. (laughs) So if I threw this out to you, if I said, what does engage your passion mean? What does what would you say? What's oh, don't let it sit on the sidelines. 
So many people, you know, they come up to me all the time and go, I, I saw where you had this person on and I would love to do. And I'm like, then do it. Like, yeah. but I, there's, there's no buts on a lot of things. For example, mm-hmm. when someone says, I'd love to write a book, then sit down and write it. Nothing's stopping. Yes, Especially today, you can self, yeah. self-publish, right? Yeah. How many people, yeah. you know, tell you, I'd love to act. Go to that church play. You don't, you're yeah. not going to start out acting, you know, in, in Hollywood or, or acting on Broadway. Yeah. There's some place to engage your passion, whether you ever win an award for it or not. I remember when I did my concert a few years ago and you sang Uh with me, we did our duet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got really nervous about it. But a friend of mine, Ty Screen, who we know, said, you're always singing. I'm going to put a concert together for you. And I I was like, I I can't, I I can't. He goes, yes, you are. And he did it. And I got really nervous and scared. And then Jack Beadle, the the music director, looked up at me and said, Deborah, your friends are not expecting you to win a Grammy tonight. Right. They're expecting you to get up there and have fun. Yeah. And I was like that, that lifted the whole burden off of me. And I was like, you're right. So we got up and I had the best time because, you know, I love music, but I appreciate what a real singer is. There's a difference between loving to sing and being a singer, being a singer is a whole lot of stamina, a lot of uh, talent, a a whole bit. So I appreciate that. I love the fact that I got a chance to engage my passion. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I love what you said. Don't let it sit on the sideline. That is just, I think every young person needs to hear that yeah. because we all have, everybody has big dreams and then they'll go, oh, but it didn't happen when I wanted it to happen. And it may not happen when you want it to happen, no. just as long as it happens. But just say, do not let it sit on the sidelines. That means if you're saying, I'm, don't do it at all or just put it off. Yeah, you got to roll, roll with the punches. And I think we got to this point where we, we, we got it kind of confused and we think that someone's passion has to pay them. It, it can pay you in so many different ways, right? And it pays yeah, you yeah. you're yeah. able to express yourself. And I think that's where passion starts is can I express myself doing something mm-hmm. that I really love? And then the biggest payoff ever is. Yeah. Yes. Right? Okay. The when applause. you're on stage doing a play, a musical, after you do your big song and yeah. you hear that. You're like, yeah, that's it. That they love Jane Fonda. You like me. You really like me. (laughs) me. (laughs) Now it don't mean that at the end of the run you don't want your paycheck. But (laughs) exactly, exactly. It just means that you appreciate me. Yeah, in the moment they appreciate it. Yeah. So, what would you now tell your younger self? Oh God! You know, I've been asked that question, Tony, and (laughs) I struggle. Well, I struggle with the answer only because. I don't know that I'd tell my younger self anything because I would be someplace else. Now, it doesn't mean that someplace mm-hmm. else might not be good, but right, I, I right. really focus on, I don't think people make mistakes. Now, that's going to sound mm-hmm. really weird because we all know we've made some mistakes before, mm-hmm. but in the course of life, are they really mistakes? You know, I work with kids who deal with, with drug addiction, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I it, 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 as evil and horrible as that is, when I see kids to get to the other side of it, and what they yeah. do and what they become. I, several of them are great counselors who have taken someone else's hand and said, yeah. I've been there. You're not going to trick or fool me, but I'm going to get yeah. you to where I am today. I'm going to get you to the other side. So exactly. even in our, our toughest times, teach us our greatest lessons. If we can learn to take those moments. I used to always say when I was struggling with something, when I didn't have you know two, I was 30, 30 cents away from having a quarter. I would say, mm-hmm. God, <laughs> what are you trying to teach me right now? What do mm-hmm. I need to learn right now? I remember one night I was just sitting there in my apartment trying to figure out how to afford antibiotics because I had strep throat. Now you can't oh, wow. just go without it, right? Yeah. And yeah. it was a hundred bucks on the dock. And I was like, 
And as I kept rocking back and forth going, well, I could probably, I had nothing to sell. I was like, what can I do extra? I can clean some more apartments maybe. And I, I was fidgeting with something in my robe pocket. And I said, what is this? I pulled it out. It was a hundred dollar bill. Oh my God. Are you serious? I don't know if I'd seen one up until that point. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I yes. tried it again. It didn't work. But anyway. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's it was crazy. my time that I needed it. But it was yeah. a reminder in life that you can be going through something. And if you allow yourself to receive uh, the answers, if you allow yourself to work yourself through the other side, something is next. You know, people always yeah. say, uh, like when someone gets laid off from work, I had a friend call me and says, I don't know what to do. And I said, OK, we're going to figure this out. But there is something next. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, there isn't. I don't have anything lined up. I said, no, no, there is something next. There's, There's something always next. something next until you leave this earth. So yeah, yeah always, always. Oh, that's cool. Oh man. But see, it's just life lessons. We have to, you were talking about that. And uh, I remember there was a song that Billy Joel sang called second wind, mm-hmm. you know, and he was saying, don't forget your second wind sooner or later, you know, the battle is going to end. And he said that the mistakes are the only things that you can truly call your own. You know, yeah. we all may make the same mistake, but the way you made it, nobody else has ever made it the way you made it. Tony Glover, I'm just going to say that your mistakes are your life's resume. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and you just take that and and, and learn how to deal with it. You know, like when you're dealt lemons, make lemonade. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <When> you're <laughs> Look, I'm going to start taking notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we talked about how how we all you know you got together and how you came to where you are now. Uh, you mentioned a, a theater teacher that you know kind of helped you along the way. Who would you say your biggest influence or your you know someone you said okay I I want to do other than Oprah you know, we talked about her but yeah, you know there's yeah. always people that kind of work with you and you're like yeah that person was there with me all the time. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple there's, too. Obviously, there's my parents. Uh, uh-huh. There's also my friend Kathleen McDonald, who was mm-hmm. always the one who propped me up and cheered me on uh, from from middle school through through high school, and still my one of my best friends today. But there there is a moment. There was a pivotal moment for me. You know, um, I had moved from Taipei, Taiwan. Uh-huh. All I had ever seen about African Americans is we were slaves, and then we weren't. Wow. And then there was a blip about this guy called MLK, not Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but MLK. And I was sitting in, in te- my Texas history class, flipping through the book uh, out of boredom. <laughs> I looked down <laughs> and I saw a square, just a little bitty thumbnail, a little square. And I thought, what is that? And it was a, a black woman. I went, what? And it was Barbara Jordan. Mm. I was mesmerized. I went to the library. I checked out books on her and I went home to my mom and said, did you know there's this woman? She goes, oh yeah. And I was like, I had no idea. My, my parents assumed we were getting, you know, a black history, like real black history in uh-huh. school because they did, but they went to segregated schoolhouses out in the right. country. Right. So they right. got the, the real deal. Um, and so the next year we were going to take a trip to Washington, DC. And I thought, this is my chance. I can meet her. So I went home. I told my my mom and dad, I said, I want to go to Washington, D.C. on this trip because I'm going to meet Barbara Jordan. And they said, we can't afford it. And I tell you, I think it was $375, like for the hotel stay, for the whole week, for the flight, everything was $375. (laughs) And she goes, we can't afford it. And so my friend, I just told you about my best friend. She said, I know. Let's write a letter to Barbara Jordan and tell her to tell your mom that she needs to help you go. So we did it. 
in the naivety of children. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I check the mailbox every day. And then all of a sudden there it is with the, you know, US congressional address and everything. I was like, she wrote back. And she, in the letter said, Dear Miss Duncan, education must be your first concern. If you can get your daughter to Washington, D.C., I will meet her and her class on the steps of Congress. Oh, wow. <laughs> and sure enough, she did. I was so wow. proud of like, <laughs> right? Uh, and then years later, I was able to interview her and remind her of that. And oh. it just made me so proud, Tony, because I, I don't think when people hear people say that it's important to include everyone's history, yeah. I, I yeah. never would have understood how important that was had it not been for that moment, because before exactly. you just kind of sit there and just reading about people. And then all of a sudden you see yourself and then it makes you curious and hungry. And you realize, wait a minute, I'm part of the tapestry of this, this country mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really understand. And I think even a lot of African-Americans, we don't understand that whole point of slavery is not to be dismissed as we were slaves and now we're not. It, yeah. Right? It's, it's a lesson and you learn from it. You know, and it, it, it puts you, and it's that's what makes, well, with me, I know, it makes me proud to be who I am, where I am. You know, it's like, yes, when it's time to vote, I'm going to vote because yeah. people fought for us to do that. They didn't have that right, you know, and, and it, it just makes you go, oh, my God. You know, then when you get people and you talk to people and they understand it, but it's so hard. But, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're here trying to trying to help people and get them involved. And it's so crazy because as an entertainer and you don't think about that and doing what you do, people follow you and they have you, we have those followings. And if you say you did something or you like it or something, they go, Hmm, well, maybe I can, or I should, you know, <laughs> but, and, but, and by, it's, by, it's, but you're talking too. what you do. And it's like, I just so love seeing you in, in just various plays and things. You keep the story and the history alive. And that's one mm. thing you do a lot at the ensemble theater. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it makes it safe for somebody to <laughs> discover right. somebody else's culture. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, believe it or not, I'm glad you said that because there was a time when only African-Americans would go to the ensemble theater. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe only the Caucasian people or the echelon African-Americans would go to the, excuse me, the alley or something right. like that. But that's changed because everybody is like saying, OK, let's let's mesh together and see what's happening. And that is happening today. Right. And that's now. the beauty of Houston. Yeah, I'm sure it happens in other cities, too. But Houston yeah. has always been really good about that. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just always bringing. And then it it, it, it it makes a lot of sense when you have a good leader's. And our 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 mayor is. I mean, he's just like, okay, everybody, we're doing, we're everybody, we're celebrating everybody. It's, our city is the most say, diverse yeah. city in the entire country, <laughs> and we are here to represent and show the country how we right. can. Right. Right. <laughs> okay, we're talking about him because we know him personally, and we have look, we do things, so he understands us. <laughs> when I was an intern thirty something years ago. He mm-hmm. helped me so much and he didn't even, wow. I, I, it was funny. I would, I would run, I'd be in the Capitol. I'd run up the stairs. I'm like, there's that man again. Hey, excuse <laughs> me. Can you tell me who's proposing the bill? HR number 525,000. Right, right. What that means. Right. And he would explain it to me. I go, thank you. <laughs> I'd run off. Oh, that's it. And there you go. It's, and you never know. And then you can talk about that now with him and, you know, it just kind of brings back to his memory and go, wow, I do remember that. So we've, we've known each other a while. Our paths have crossed in more ways than one. Yeah. Okay. So let me see another question I want to ask you. I know because we do it together a lot. 
and you like to sing. And you always say, and I, I don't know if you remember, I told you one time, it's like, Deborah, you are a good belter. <laughs> you are a good, that theater people are always looking for belters. belters. Now, you've done, you've done. This is my moment. There you go, right. <laughs> and I know you did the voice to the plant for Little Shop of Horrors once, right? I was Audrey too. Can I yes. tell you that was like one of the coolest moments? You talk about the passion thing because that's one that I think I stuffed so far down that I never thought that would ever come from anywhere. Wow. And then when I got to, I was like, feed me, Seymour, feed me yes. all night long. Oh, yes, oh, yes. See, see? Awesome. That, awesome. And, and that's what it. I'm talking about, stuff like that. With you, let's say you were Broadway or you had a, a choice and they said, what role would you like to what role would you like to play oh gosh there's first of all a million roles but <laughs> and this is going to be one that's probably like you would expect for me to say and a lot of people would say this one is oh gosh there's oh, it was a contest um okay i'll get two and i am telling you <laughs> Effie, Effie from Dream Girls. Tony, you're the best man that I've ever known. <laughs> that one. And then when I think of home, I think of a place oh, that has yes. love overflowing. Dorothy, Dorothy. <laughs> because that, yeah. the first I mean, time and, I and, sang. And, and how interesting that you say those because both of those are literally strong Black women. Yes. Yes. And, and the first something? time I actually sang in public like really stood up on the stage. Uh-huh. I was in high school I, and I joined the talent show uh-huh. and my mom was like, what are you doing? What, what can you do? Are you playing your flute? <laughs> I was like, no. And, and Richard Rice, God bless his soul, was a keyboard player and he said, you can do this. And we, were, uh, we had practice and I said, I can't, I can't, I can't get to that high note. You know how I am with that. I stay in my pocket of, of an alto. I go, I can't do it. He goes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. So I said, you got to change the key. So he changed the key, which changed kind of the dynamic and feel of the song, uh-huh. right? And so we get up on the stage. He hits that first note, and I want to strangle him because he is in the original key. Oh, my God. And he looks over at me. And I'm on the stage going, if you're listening, God, please don't make it hot. I'm, I'm leaning forward. I'm about to, people are like, whoa. Okay. Oh, she's coming. She's and coming so to us. She's coming to us. That last note. And oh I look at him and I said, why did you do that? He said, because I knew you wouldn't embarrass yourself and you'd try. Oh, oh, wow. Look at that. So you learned some things. You so, learned some yeah. things. And, so I, that, and that I, I didn't know. a special place in my heart. Uh huh. I didn't know about Effie, and you know that you you kind of like that as much. But I did know. I think we talked about uh, you doing Dorothy once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was that's 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 well, show that's dear to me because I I played the Mino Lion. Yes. So, <laughs> oh, you'd be a good you know, lion. I love I'm it. Like, yeah. That that's that's cool. So all right. Um, now let me ask you this. This is not crazy. It's not like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Uh. <laughs> When we're as you, when you're growing up, sometimes people feel that they are bullied because of what they do, or you know uh, they're different from everybody else. I'm not the person who wants to be the doctor or the lawyer or the teacher, and you want to do something different. Uh, did you ever feel like growing up because you wanted to do something different that people looked at you differently or you know bullied you or picked on you for any reason? You know, I mean, I I was bullied once and my mother do you remember that movie hand that rocks the cradle 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not advocating this. Please yes. don't. People don't call me. Don't. I'm not advocating. But Mama showed up and said, "Which one?" Oh my God! <laughs> I said, "You come over here, little boy. Don't you oh ever my call my daughter that name again." Oh my God! I mean, wow. she didn't. She didn't physically, you know, do right. it. Just, it was just, just uh, enough that they, she knew. They but did. I right. will tell you that because I was always on the outside anyway, I went to five different elementary schools. Like I said, wow. I, I started out in Taipei, Taiwan. And oftentimes I was the only African-American. So they always wanted to, like, can I touch your hair? Can I do this kind of, yeah. um, yeah. so because I was always different, I kind of, I didn't, I didn't care, Tony, if that makes any sense. Mm. And okay. I think sometimes, yeah. you know, those, those kids in school, and I kind of look at certain people in the workplace, or whatever, who are just different. And so yeah. when you're different and you're not trying to fight that, you don't have to fit in. I think it was, uh, who was it? T.D. Jakes who said, how are you supposed to be a leader when you're too busy trying to hang with the pack? Mm. Right. And so yeah, nice. I, I became a leader accidentally, I, I, not accidentally in God's eyes, but accidentally because I, I kind of rescued wounded puppies, if you will. I, mm-hmm. I took on the people who were being uh, you know, beaten up or whatever in school, picked on in yeah. school. And so all of a sudden you start to realize that there's more of us than there are those other ones, yeah. right? Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> we formed our own group and we uh-huh. supported each other. We took care of each other. Um, and it, it's so he- cool to go back to, to reunions or to run into yeah. people uh, over the years who say, Deborah Duncan, yeah, you mm-hmm. picked me up off the ground after a fight at school once. And I remember this one guy in, in particular. They came to get me at school. I know we're about to run out of time, but you're talking to a talk show host. Anyway, they <laughs> um, they, they came to me. They go, they go, there's a fight. There's a fight. And they came and got me. And I'm like, well, why did y'all pick me? It's because I'm the only black kid in school. They're, they're like, she knows how to fight. Right? Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. we literally thought I just knew how to take care of the strong black woman. Right. But yeah. um, they, they were picking on him. And, and I didn't know. I, I was incensed because... He was the kindest, sweetest guy that I knew in school. He was just a nice human being and they mm. were beating him up. And I didn't know why at the time. Years later, I ran into him on a show in Dallas. He was singing in the Turtle Creek Chorale. And after mm. they got through singing, which is a gay men's choir, mm-hmm. uh, the director said, someone wants to say hello to you. And he stepped out and said, hey, it's me. He goes, thank you for saving my life. And then it made wow. sense. I didn't know what gay was in high school, but wow. I knew that he was different in some way. I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they were beating him up over. And yeah. I, so you never know. I stepped yeah. in. And, I was just, and so I, I uh, people who are different, the courage to be different. I, I, I sometimes think the reason why people that we know who are successful are successful is because that's the deal. Bill Gates, you know, yeah. He, yeah. Um, yeah, Bill Gates, David Yerman. When I interviewed David Yerman, David Yerman's like, I can barely read. I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. I can't read because I was a poor student. But he does five hundred million dollars a year, so don't feel sorry for him. Um, exactly, exactly. The doctor who delivered <laughs> Duncan went to Harvard with this guy, and and he said his roommate uh, was a little socially awkward and had some issues that he was dealing with, and he dropped out. But Bill Gates is doing fine. Mm. Um, so, you know, Michael Dell was at UT yeah. and he's like, you know, I have a way of doing, and it's like, no, 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 we're not going to do it that way. And he's like, so he dropped out to, to, to build his company, you know? So it, it, there's so much pressure put on people to conform. And really when you read through history, how did we move to the next step? It wasn't necessarily yeah. through conforming. Right? Yeah. It, it, oh yeah. You're, oh my God. You, yeah. You hit some nuggets today. <laughs> <laughs> you hit some nuggets today because people really don't, uh, sit and think. We're always trying to figure things out, 
And a lot of times while we're trying to figure it out, it's already worked out. Yeah. And, you know, things are, you just have to let it go and let it happen. Uh, One of the biggest things that I've learned in life is just to breathe. I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time, breathe through it. Because when we get excited, when we get nervous, we get scared. The first thing we do is, you know, you take your breath away and you just stop. It's like, no, just breathe through it. And when you breathe through it, I promise you, um, it, it, it'll it'll come through. And just you know, it'll do work you, out for right? You. And then let's try the do you thing. But I can't tell you how many times someone says to me, Deborah Duncan, I'm going to be the next Deborah Duncan. And I'm like, please don't. Just yeah, be please a better be, you. Be, be a better <laughs> you. Because because that just it's it'll be different. Who wants to be? Yeah, this yeah. one's already here. Oprah's already mm-hmm. there. These yeah. okay, they're all already there. Bring something different. Yeah, do something different and and make it you. You know, and I yeah. promise you, you'll be the best you than you can you know you can ever be. Um, now we, again, I want to kind of throw out some of the things that we've done. It's people like, cause people are like, how do you know Deborah Doug? And how do you, know? <laughs> like, well, we sing together. Uh, like I said, we've done the mayor's tree lightings t- tons of times. We've done the Thanksgiving day parade, you know, come on the show. Uh, when you're doing different things, you'll, you'll call me and we'll, we'll hang out, but it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to be able to say, Hey, that's my buddy. And, and by the way, uh, people always ask me, cause I'll say sometimes, Oh yeah, D square, and they go, "Who's D square?" <laughs> Double D, and I'm like, you know, Deb- Deborah Duncan. Duncan. D <laughs> well, square, and they go, funny. "Oh I, uh, wow!" I just I'm like, uh, CC Winans the other day, uh-huh. and I met her back in the '90s. The first time she was on the show with me, she's been on every show I've done. And it's funny, I said, "You know, I go really, you should think about this, CC. Your brother BB, you know, and you, CC, y'all really should think about adding DD to the mix." And then, and let me tell you, because I may be, let me tell you, B.B. Winans and C.C. Winans, oh my God, I, I love him so much that I, yeah, I sing like him a lot. So we did B.B., C.C., D.D., and T.T. And T.G., and T.G., that's right, and, and bring along T.G. Let me tell you, I think we'd have a group there. We don't she need the Winans anymore. Me. We have all the alphabets. <laughs> she, she, said, she said she'd call me. That was, she, the first time she said that was 1995, but she's going to get around to it. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for doing this and just kind of unwinding. And I know you're busy, but, uh, you know, just to be able to talk to you and get some things out and, you know, let people see you from another side. I have to admit, at first when it was brought to me and said, hey, you should ask Deborah Duncan. I was like, Deborah Duncan is a talk show host. I'm not going to interview her. She's not going to interview her. <laughs> well, like, you know, I'm it's like, funny because no. it's, it's intimidating for me to be interviewed. Oh, wow. That's funny. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, and people don't but know you, things now about friend, that. Yeah. Talk to yeah. you. Yeah. That is so. crazy. Well, thank you so much. You know, like I uh letting people know, you know, you, you can see Deborah Duncan every day, Monday through Friday, on channel 11 CBS here in Houston with the Great Day Houston. She's always eating good food too. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you know I'm have, you know how I'm gonna have to end this, right, Tony? You know. What's that? I really can't stay. Baby, I gotta go away. <laughs> now, you know, we could have sang that a couple of weeks ago because it was really cold outside yeah. here. Yeah, okay, oh end it with me. <laughs> Baby, it's cold. Baby, cold it's cold. cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Deborah, so much. I just want to let everybody know that you can hear us on iTunes and Spotify. And as I always say, respect the artist, respect the art. Have a good day. E-Talk with Anthony Bogus Glover. Bye. Have a great day, not a good day. Great day. I'm sorry. Great day. Yes, there we go. Great day.
Thank you for listening to E-Talk with Anthony Bogus Glover. I appreciate you listening to me. Now, please subscribe, download, and comment. Leave a review. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Now, don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and my website at www.anthonybglover.com. And before we leave, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Adams David Media for helping me to get this show on the road. Hope to hear from you. We'll talk soon.